chromosomes. Little strands of nucleic acids and proteins are the fundamental genetic instructions that tell us who we are at birth. Most people are born with 46 chromosomes, but each year in the United States, about 6,000 people are born with an extra chromosome, making them a person with Down syndrome. If you've ever encountered someone with Down syndrome, you know that they are some of the kindest, most joyful people you will ever meet. They truly have something extra. My name is Lisa Nichols, and I have spent the last 24 years as both the CEO of Technology Partners and as the mother to Allie. Allie has something extra in every sense of the word. I have been blessed to be by her side as she impacts everyone she meets. Through these two important roles as CEO and mother to Allie, I have witnessed countless life lessons that have fundamentally changed the way I look at the world. While you may not have an extra chromosome, every leader has something extra that defines who you are. Join me as I explore the something extra in leaders from all walks of life and discover how that difference in each of them has made a difference in their companies, their families, their communities, and in themselves. I'm thrilled to have Ken Sella on the show today. Ken is the Client Strategies Group Leader at Edward Jones. Ken, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for making the time to be here with me. Lisa, it's great to be with you. You know, it's nice to be able to come together with people in the community that you know and you trust. When you ask, we say yes. And so I'm not really sure exactly what we said yes to, but I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. (laughs) Well, we're going to have fun. I can tell you that. So, you know, we've talked about this, but technology partners, we're very blessed. We have been a partner for Edward Jones now, I would say for 23 years. And when I say this, I truly mean it. We love Edward Jones. And in fact, Greg and I, we formed our company 26 years ago, and we're no Jones by any stretch of the imagination. But so much of the DNA, so much of the culture, so much of your core values, we said we kind of want to operate that way because I know you guys have an owner mentality. We always say we want people to have ownership and self-directed, self-managed and people first. You guys are very people-centric. We've tried to do the same thing with our firm. So Thank you for what you guys are doing in St. Louis and just how you set an example for all of us. The thanks goes to you as well. The name of your organization speaks volumes about the brand reputation. So technology partners, you really are a partner to us in so many different ways, not just the quality of the work that we do together, but the ways of being of the people in your organization and how we come together to truly partner to achieve outcomes that wouldn't be possible otherwise without these two great organizations coming together for the benefit of people. Well, I want to talk about you. (laughs) So I know you grew up in St. Louis. Tell us a little bit about growing up for you and a little bit about your education journey. And then I want to get into what you're doing today. Yeah, born and raised in St. Louis. So is my wife. This is uh, my home and I'm so proud of this city. It has so much to offer. Uh, You know, I was educated here. It's our home. It's the place we intend to retire. And we've been fortunate. I've been with Edward Jones for 30 years. So my employer is here in St. Louis. As I think about the impact of education and family and purpose throughout those two domains, but including the domain of work, 
I can't help but have a spirit of gratitude and to want to give back. And so that's part of who I am. And one of the ways uh, that I like to give back is to this great city. Well, and another interesting fact about you, Ken, that I know is that you started at Jones as an intern. Yeah, attending University of Missouri here in St. Louis, my great alma mater. What a wonderful education. I sat alongside many working professionals as well as students my age at that time. And it provided me a tremendous leg up. I I had the opportunity to work at Edward Jones and to apply what I was learning on the job and to have that practical experience. And I truly believe that gave me an advantage in terms of my ability to make a contribution and to really be someone who could make a difference even from a very young age. Right. I want to get into Jones a little bit because what an amazing organization. I think for those who don't know, Jones, you know, was headquartered here in St. Louis, founded here in St. Louis in 1922. So really almost 100 years old. That's exactly right, Lisa. We can hardly believe it. 100 years. Wow. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Right. Well, let's talk about this. For I think 20 years now, you have made the 100 best places to work, which is a list that is very prestigious list, one that is coveted by many. But as I'm reading, best places to work for women, best places to work for millennials, best places to work for Gen Xers, (laughs) so many accolades, so many awards. You cannot win these awards and not have something really special in the culture of Jones. So Tell us, what is the secret sauce? (laughs) Like uh, I'm sure other people and organizations do, we don't pause very often to think about patting ourselves on the back for an achievement like 21 years in a row on Fortune's Best Companies to Work For list or any of the other lists that you mentioned. What we're constantly striving to do is to understand how we can get better. And I think that's part of the recipe. We don't measure our organization by our size, even though we're a Fortune 500 company serving millions of investors across North America. But we really measure our organization by how we have a positive and meaningful impact on the lives of people and the kind of outcomes that they can have in their lives. When somebody works at Edward Jones, you know, culture is kind of hard to put your finger on. But I think what happens is people who gravitate to Edward Jones and who we tend to attract have a sense of purpose. And they really want to know that they work for an organization that's doing meaningful, important work to improve the lives of people. And I think so much of what is revealed in these surveys from Fortune and others is not so much anything the company does, but it's really how the people who work there, who feel a sense of ownership because we are a partnership and they, we have over 20,000 partners at our firm and they understand they're part of the solution. And they have a sense of ownership, a sense of pride. Collectively, we're focused on the well-being of people, not just our clients, but for the people who work there. So it does come back to core values. It does come back to culture. You know, even in the 30 years I've been there, I've seen a couple of different major leadership successions. What I can really point to is the one through line of each of those is the leaders have always made their first priority to leave the organization better than where they found it so that the next generation can continue to make an impact the way that we want to in society and all the communities that we serve. It's the people, right, that make up an organization. So collectively, everyone living out those values, but it starts from the top. 
So the other thing that I was thinking, you said it's really to improve the people's lives. So it's not only your associates, you know, and your partners, the employees, the people that are working at Jones, but also your clients, which how many did you say that you guys serve now? We serve 7 million clients across North America, so U.S. and Canada, and uh, they've entrusted us with approximately $1.2 trillion of essentially their life savings. But the other piece of that, you guys are improving the lives of those in the communities in which you're operating. So you guys are so philanthropic, so philanthropic. I've sat on boards with Mary Mosbacher. I sat on the board with her for stages for years. I mean, you know, about the arts and you guys are just giving to the communities too. So you're just improving lives all the way around. So I know that you said when you first started out, you had a client and that client all of a sudden called you up and said, I'm moving my business. <laughs> so I'm putting you on the spot a little bit there. But it was kind of a, a little bit of a moment for you and a little bit of a pivot of your philosophy, right? And so it wasn't really what you were doing because you said, what did I do wrong? You know, the story is is really uh, one that I learned a lesson on. And so as a financial advisor, I had a client who just became a dear friend. We had a great relationship. I was doing important work helping them really strictly from a investment perspective. They, they really relied on me to help them understand what the best options were for tax-free income and other parts of their investing portfolio. I was still a relatively new financial advisor, had not taken the time to go deeply to understand them more fully and what their true life goals were. So unfortunately, there was another financial advisor that came into their life that was able to have those conversations. So one day they called and they said, we love you, but we're transferring our account. And I said, oh my gosh, help me understand why. What did I do? And what was the problem? They told the story and they just said, our other financial advisor helped us to set up our estate planning documents and they described all that. In fact, they came over and met with our kids and, you know, we talked about that and gosh, there was this piece of real estate that we owned down the street where there'd been a bunch of commercial development and eventually got sold. And we said, we're going to build our house there one day. We didn't. So we sold it to a corporation and we had all this money. We weren't sure what to do with it. So somebody had, had really started to help them understand what's most important to them, really to help them understand what their true goals were, not only for themselves, but for leaving a legacy. So it was such a lesson learned for me. And I said, you know what, that's the kind of meaningful difference that I want to make in people's lives. And it really served as a turning point in my career as a financial advisor. And just to fast forward that to today, I feel so privileged to be able to be in a position to make an impact in the role that I'm in leading the client strategies group for Edward Jones, which essentially focuses on helping our clients achieve their financial goals. And so we support our branch team's ability to deliver goals-based advice. So it's funny how that has come full circle. Isn't that awesome? It kind of changed your whole philosophy. You're a goal-based advisor, right? And those are never fun stories. But for younger people out there, we all have those stories, right? And it's what you take from those stories, the lessons that you learn and how you apply them going forward. You know, it's such a great point, Lisa. Life's full of peaks and valleys. It's not very often that you have tremendous learning on a peak, but it's in the valleys. Embrace those because those can become such a source of strength. And it's how a professional athlete gets better and better at what they do. They look at the highlight reels. They understand what it is that they can do better. And then they use that as a source of strength and they train themselves to understand that that is a real gift. Great words of advice there. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Ken Sella. 
Let's face it, the future is mobile. There's a good chance that you are listening to this show right now on your phone. Have you explored how you can move your business mobile too? Our mobile apps team at Technology Partners makes it their mission to move our clients into the hands of their employees and customers and change their business processes to meet the demands of their users. Let's work together and build a dynamic mobile app for your team. Go to tpi.co slash mobile apps and get the conversation started about how we can help you get your new application off the ground. So welcome back. Ken, the Million Dollar Club did a survey of Americans. 88% of Americans said they did not want technology to replace the human touch. And I know that's really important for Jones, but technology has played a really big role in all industries, right? In all segments. So how has technology changed the business at Edward Jones? You know, we are a people first organization. So we do believe that when it comes to matters of not just your financial life, but quite frankly, our financial advisors serve their clients in a much more deep and rich and meaningful way beyond just finances. It gets into uh, the whole variety of topics from health to family. Ultimately, it comes to finances and then really their purpose. And so can you imagine technology having that conversation? And we've all heard about Watson, the robot from IBM and predictive analytics. And those developments are important. They're real. They're impacting our business. I think at Edward Jones, the thing that I would share is that we are a people first organization because when it comes to those deep decisions, people really want to have a human to come alongside of them. And technology needs to be there in a robust way. I mean, you know, it really becomes the backbone of how we serve our clients so whether it's online access that so many of our clients need to have, uh, especially during this time that we've experienced over the last four months uh, with COVID-19, I think we can all agree that our reliance on technology has just gone up tremendously. So we are making investments in our ability to aggregate data, to use those predictive analytics to help our clients to really anticipate what their needs are. We want to do that so that they feel understood and our financial advisors are able to have a, an edge on being able to understand what's most important to them so that we can inform them about the things that are most important and help them feel in control of the decisions they're making. So, you know, you can see how data and analytics really come to life in that way. Both pieces are important. <laughs> That's the point, right? So it's the true balance of the two and how that personal relationship develops over time. Absolutely. Well, and I know one of the things that you guys are so wonderful about is because you are people centric, you really want to know what's keeping your clients up at night. And I know some research that you guys had done that your clients, one of the things that's the scariest thing for them and the thing they fear the most is what happens if a family member gets dementia or Alzheimer's. And I just read you guys just committed $25 million to Alzheimer's research. So thank you so much for the investment that you guys are making there. But that's one of the things that is really a fear of your client base. And you're doing a ton of work and spending a lot of time on age wave right now. So can you tell us a little bit more about that work and what you're hoping to accomplish there? First of all, we are we are proud to be the national presenting sponsor of Alzheimer's. It is such a, an important organization. They're making an impact. We are closer today to finding a cure than we ever have been. So we couldn't be more proud of that partnership. Alzheimer's not only robs our families that we serve, 
of their financial freedoms, but it's really those family freedoms. And, and so such a tragedy and such a devastating disease to be able to look at a family who has had somebody that's gone through the trauma of a dear loved one having suffered from Alzheimer's it can be devastating for a family. And so we just think about how do we advance the ability for people to have the quality of life and achieve the kind of outcomes in, in their life they want to. And that's such a core part of our business. We've just commissioned a study that we're very encouraged by. We call it the four pillars of the new retirement. It really goes to this point. We believe retirement is being redefined. We need to think differently about retirement as an organization because our clients are and society is. We see this every day in the communities that we serve. Retirement used to be something that was all about transitioning into that final stage of life. Retirement's no longer being looked at as the end of work. It's being seen as a new beginning where people have new freedoms and some new challenges. It's really interesting to have done this research, especially during the time of COVID-19. And we had to make a decision as we were doing this study to understand, you know, do we keep it moving forward? And we made the decision to keep it moving forward because we thought now more than ever, people are really struggling with decisions uh, related to retirement. Just so many findings were to start, but I, I'll say one of the key findings that has inspired me the most is that when people make the decision today to enter retirement, you know, finances are important. There's a lot of important considerations, but the thing that people are spending the most time on is purpose. They're trying to figure out how do they activate their purpose because they, they now have found this new freedom of more time and they want to explore what's most important to them. And, and for so many people, they just haven't had a chance to do that yet. So our advisors are really working hard, I think, to help our clients really with a whole person approach that goes beyond finances to their, to their overall well-being. So this study was conducted all across North America. So we had 9,000 participants in the study that spanned five generations. So I think that's a, another important part about the studies. It's not just retirees that we're talking to, it's five different generations. And what we've learned is that there are really four pillars that are most important to people in retirement. Their health, their family, finding their purpose, and then their finances to support those three. We view this as a landmark study that will just help people live a better quality of life. We couldn't be more excited about it. And to your point, one of the things that we found as we went through this, we asked a ton of questions, but one of them was, what's your greatest fear in terms of in a retirement? What's your greatest fear in terms of your health? When it came to that question on health, we thought maybe it would be something like heart attack. Actually, Alzheimer's was the number one fear people had. It's not losing their money. They're, they're worried about losing who they are. And so it kind of comes full circle back to this opportunity that we've been given to be the national presenting sponsor to really find a cure for this devastating disease that impacts so many of our clients. So when your clients are telling you one of their greatest fears is Alzheimer's dementia, you guys have stepped up and said, that's where we're going to put a lot of resources. I mean, my grandmother had Alzheimer's and it was an awful disease. And I remember at the end, it was hard for me to even go because I'm like, that's not my grandmother. You know, that's not the grandmother that I grew up knowing and loving. And, you know, and unfortunately, she didn't even know who I was, you know, at the end. So kudos to you guys. Seriously, I love how you just dovetail that in. 
It reminds me too, I've talked to so many leaders, you know, people, <laughs> they want to move into significance, you know, what I want to do, what I want the second half of my life to look like. And, you know, I do see that, that people are, they're looking for that purpose. They're looking for a mission to give their time to, you know, it's not just golfing's great. Sitting on the beach is great, but I'm seeing this generation of saying, no, there's still work to be done. There's a second half here. What's my new assignment? So speaking of new assignments, you are involved in so many things. I'm reading through and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired just reading, <laughs> but I know you have a new assignment coming up and uh, you'll take on the chair of the RCGA, right? In September. Yeah. Thanks, Lisa. I'm excited for that opportunity. I joined the board of the St. Louis Regional Chamber of Commerce about four years ago simply as a way to give back to this great city. It's just been one of the things that I've, I've made as part of my portfolio of ways to give back. And so the chamber was a good fit. It represented business in the St. Louis area. And uh, as a business person, it felt natural. I never joined the group with any sort of aspiration to become the chair. But much like a lot of different endeavors that we find ourselves in, you know, the moment arose where it became a question and then seemed sort of like a natural answer to say yes. And the reason that I said yes, Lisa, is given the current state of all the issues that we're facing as a city with how we need to come together in, in so many different ways, and I won't get into all those details, but one of the first things that I did after saying yes to this leadership opportunity uh, was began a listening tour. And so what I did was I just sought out leaders from the businesses that are investors in the chamber and had a set of questions for each of them to, to try to understand what's most important to them. So why, why did they choose to become a member of the chamber and what needs did they have that the chamber needs to meet? What's so gratifying about that work is there was a tremendous through line and unification of responses that talked about creating a city that attracts the right kind of people and the right kind of businesses to want to be here. And so you can understand why businesses want that. Another thread that was really central was the desire to continue to build on the diversity of our city. We have a plethora of riches when it comes to the arts and different forms of restaurants and all the richness that comes of all the burbs that we have around St. Louis. And people really talked about a much broader sense of making St. Louis a place where truly diverse points of view could come together and had a lot of different perspective about what that needed to look like and how it needs to be very different than how we've done it in the past. And then I, I would say the third thing that I really heard was just the idea that they want to make a difference and they want to be part of a city that's giving back to society. And so it kind of came full circle again. So it feels like a natural place. So thanks for asking about that, Lisa. Well, I think you're the right leader for the job. I'm excited about our future with you at the helm there. So Ken, this is called something extra. So what do you believe is the something extra that every leader needs? I believe that based on my experience, what people need is to be understood. If I think about my own lot in life, you know, so much of who I am is represented by the lens that I have on the world. And I believe that I can share that point of view to make a positive impact on others. And so when we can all understand each other and understand what that lens on the world is and then bring those lenses together into a much clearer picture for the future, that's when we're doing our best work. So that takes a great amount of empathy to be able to become the kind of listener as a leader that you need to be. I didn't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm thinking the common thread for you, I believe, is listening. <laughs> You're a good listener. I mean, you know, back from that story that we told, right, about the client and then 
you know, I heard you say when you taken over the chair of the chamber, the first thing you want to do is go on a listening tour and hear from everybody else. And so a quote that I've always loved is in terms of relational skills, be more interested than interesting. Yeah, I love that one. Focused on that, being more interested and being interested requires listening skills, right? So that's a great something extra. So Ken, I also want to give you the opportunity. Is there anything that's coming up for you or anything that Jones is doing that you want our listeners to know about and what they can possibly get involved in? There sure is, Lisa. I appreciate that opportunity. What I would really point everyone to is our new study, The Four Pillars of the New Retirement. And you can go to our website, edwardjones.com slash new retirement, and you can pull that study up. We want to democratize that study. We want it in the hands of everybody, not just our clients and our financial advisors. We want everybody to have it because we think the insights that are there around health, family, purpose, and finances can really change people's lives. So I'd like to just offer that as a gift, as a way to say thank you for the opportunity to participate on this call. Oh my goodness. Well, I can't wait to read it. So is it one large study or is there going to be parsed out in family, finances, purpose? How have you guys got it organized? Yeah, we have it all organized all together in one package. So it's very simple to access. And again, you can go to edwardjones.com slash new retirement. Wonderful. Well, thank you for offering that. Well, Ken, this has just been such a pleasure. So much fun. I wish I could just do this with you all day long. That would be <laughs> that would be a great day. So thank you again for being on the show. We'll see you soon. Great to be with you, Lisa. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's show. Something Extra with Lisa Nichols is a Technology Partners production. Copyright Technology Partners, Inc., 2019. For show notes or to reach Lisa, visit tpi.co slash podcast. Don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen.